0: Hey, this is Tris Hesse, and welcome to another episode of Inside Trapeze. And I'm here with Tyler Dvorak, who's the product director for mobility planning and scheduling. Hey, Tyler, how's it going? Hey, Tris, doing well. Thanks for uh, taking the time. Well, absolutely. This is one of my favorite topics to talk about. You and I worked on the ebook together. And that was a great experience. I learned a ton. And since then, we've come, we've had Think Transit and we were just there, and you and I were talking about trying to explain what MPS is, because it's much bigger than I think people initially realize. People maybe confuse MPS and mobility on demand. So how do you explain what MPS is and how it works in the great transport ecosystem?
1: Sure. I think there's a few operative words in the And the mps right mobility planning scheduling product group of which mobility planning the product belongs so we'll focus on mobility planning the product obviously i think people know what planning involves obviously involves a lot but we we generally know what planning is mobility is the word that could probably use some clarification although it is also one of those words that can have several meanings but i ran across a definition that I really liked the other day, which is that mobility is more than transportation specifically. It's it's more about access, generally in terms of time, affordability, and safety. I thought that was a good way to kind of ground what we mean by mobility, because uh, we want to take into account those additional things, not just point A to point B. And obviously it's meant to be kind of an agnostic Term. There's many types of mobility, and when we talk about differentiating mobility planning versus mobility on demand, uh, ultimately what we're talking about is a, a more agnostic process that looks at not just fixed route transit scheduling or fixed route transit planning, but also takes into account the larger array, the vast and expanding array of transportation options. Of which are you know new ones are being invented every day. And so ultimately mobility planning is aspirational for sure, right? Taking into account all these things is something that's not going to be something we do immediately, but that's where it's going, right? That's what planners need to be able to do, to be able to look at the larger system and and understand how people get around, what they want access to, and trying to come up with a coherent, useful, socially equitable, and of course, budget achievable transportation plan centered, generally speaking, on transit, and in many cases, fixed route transit. But it's more universal. I
0: mean, that's what you said. It's aspirational. It's bigger than I think people would initially think it would be. It seems that this is all part of this new public transit renaissance that's happened because of the pandemic, because of this inflection point. Do you think this is this has really made this big picture mindset this this just change that we've all gone through?
1: No doubt, yeah, absolutely. You know, the pandemic I think accelerated some trends, right? Kind of put some pressure on some systems that were already starting to change, and largely accelerated that. There's a lot of areas where we could point to for that, but in terms of Mobility, you know, the real goal is that we have a lot of existing ways to get around, but people generally just choose one, if you will, right? And if we can integrate those modes in some basic ways, we can unlock a lot of efficiencies and and really make the publicly provided and financed parts of transportation, transit, a lot more useful and, and can make transit a lot more attractive to folks who you know may be sitting in traffic wondering, why am I doing this <laughs> every day? Well, it's probably because they feel that their personal car provides them some level of autonomy uh, or access or stability. And so ensuring that our transit systems can you know, approach that level uh, of stability, of reliability, of access to the things that matter, or even connecting people, you know, from short trips to their personal car, to a park and ride, to a larger transit network to get them to their job in an area that's congested, for example, right? It's not just get people out of personal cars and into transit. For sure, that's what we love, but it's also about, hey, maybe people don't need to take their personal car all the way on their trip. Maybe they could take their personal car for part of the trip and then take transit the rest of the way, enabling that Interface to be smooth and not have such a time cost or have such a limited schedule availability or reliability to where it becomes a risk for that person to not be able to make their commitments is key. And so, understanding how that stuff geographically fits together, schedule wise fits together, there's a lot that obviously goes into that, but that's the job, right? That's the challenge. So, planning gets very big very quickly, right? It goes From where does the bus go? Where does it stop? How often does it stop? To land use, public policy, social equity, like we talked about a little bit, and the larger transportation system. And it has to. Like you can't really make good decisions, informed decisions without doing that. And so that's our job. That's the goal of the product is to to achieve that and do it incrementally, right? Over time, expand, expand into more and more areas that Allow planners to get a bigger and bigger view as they go, um, but yeah, certainly aspirational. But that's you know, like we talked about, the pandemic has accelerated this trend and this push to a more multimodal, integrated system that that ultimately needs to have a more responsive or certainly uh, you know, kind of writer centric approach. I think we learn not to take our riders for granted. I think we learned not to take our transit for granted, which is which are two good things, right? We've really understood the value of those things. And I think ultimately that can lead to investment in transit, which mobility planning is enabled to help justify. Absolutely. And one of the things
0: you touched on in, in when you're going through this was the job, the job of planners, the job of schedulers. And one thing that you presented in your virtual Think Transit talk over a year, about a year ago now, and in our ebook, that was this Venn diagram of this continuum between planners, schedulers, and analysts, and how things have changed. And one of the the ways you've been were you know portraying MPS as a product is helping bridge gaps between jobs that have often been viewed as separate. How has that come together and how
1: does MPS pull that off? For sure. The distinct, in many ways, roles of a business analyst, a planner, and a scheduler um, are are unique enough that, yeah, it, it tends to be a different role at larger organizations, at least for each of those things. However, as, we, as anyone's experienced in any organization, this is completely universal. Pick an industry, it doesn't matter. You've got specialists, but they need to be able to work together, share information effectively. And the sharing information effectively is always the challenge. That's how we get silos. Again, a universal organizational challenge for, for everybody globally. And so there's a lot of promise in software to solve that problem. And that's because you can work from a common set of data and basically be on the same page, ultimately. Um, When you have different systems managing each steps of this process that don't talk to each other, it gets very difficult uh, to work well and obviously to share information effectively. It requires a person to either move the data manually through some sort of you know file transfer process, or physically typing, re-entering data in, or taking verbal information from someone and you know then interpreting that and putting that you know, into your own system that you and your role are in charge of managing. At best, it's extremely inefficient, and at worst, it leads to communication breakdowns or no communication, dead ends. Right? We did a bunch of work, we did a bunch of analysis, and it didn't go anywhere because you yeah, know we couldn't. To gain traction with the planning team, where well, the planning team came up with an awesome plan that they thought was awesome, but it sat on the shelf because when it came to implement it, it was just too hard, too much work. And we delayed it. And then we just never actually ended up doing anything. And so we end up with a drift and we don't actually get to our customer at our needs. And it can be a negative cycle, right? And so these are very real things that happen. Silos are a problem. They exist, you know, for a reason many times because of that specialization of knowledge. But essentially it's about allowing each of those distinct roles to positively impact the folks uh, downstream from them. And eventually the stream is a circle, right? We go from analyzing to planning to scheduling to operationalization to analyzing the operationalization of the data. And it just goes in a circle and a cycle. And it's a beautiful thing. When it's working. Quite well because it's a natural way to to iterate on on your system and constantly be improving it. However, if one link in that chain breaks or is weak, then you end up with systems that are more static very quickly. If one link in that chain breaks, then the system's not going to be able to respond very quickly or evolve very efficiently or effectively, and so. Getting back to the software side of things, getting back to one common set of data, mobility planning is intended to really bridge the scheduler and the analyst through the planner at the end of the day, right? The, the persona that the, the role that would uh, be most affected by the mobility planning application is the role of transit planner, who, like we said, kind of sits between an analyst and a scheduler. And in essence is in charge of taking the data analyst's findings and applying that to the actual transit system. And of course, taking all the other aspects into consideration when doing that, including like we talked about budget, writer feedback, priorities of board members, all kinds of stuff that they have to consider. But that's again, backing it up with data and having that analyst's findings available to justify decisions is super important. And then ensuring that the plan you come up with as a planner can actually be implemented by a scheduler. Scheduler's main job is to not just say where the bus goes, when it stops, where it does, but more to the fact, ensure that it can be delivered with the vehicle and driver limitations operationally that we have. Um, And so if a planner is able to work with all these stakeholders and come up with a plan, that is, here's where the bus goes. Here, here's how, where it stops, and here's how often it stops there. And it's in line with what a scheduler are, or what our operational characteristics actually allow us to do. Then that link becomes stronger between the planner and scheduler because the scheduler is going to respect the plan that's presented, right? The schedule that's presented to them, and and we can do that again because we we already have a scheduling system, right? With FX that's deployed, you know, all over North America, and we can leverage that to ensure that the plan we come up with is accurate that is that we're not coming up with a plan that we can't actually operationalize given our vehicle and driver constraints and that we know the plan we're putting forth doesn't cost, you know, an outsized sum that can't the agency or the, the provider cannot afford and so by by making sure we've covered all those bases and there are many we can then iterate, like I said, iterate faster, provide a schedule to a scheduler that's operationalized. And now that dynamic becomes stronger. And ideally this facilitates not just data movement, but collaboration between these groups, right? We want these folks talking to each other. And, you know, literally um, I believe that by using the same sheet of music, like we said, the, the, the data set that's the same, Working off the same page, that we can facilitate those conversations in a much more constructive and dynamic way so that planners can better understand scheduling, schedulers can better understand planning, and everybody can better make data driven decisions that come from an analyst. And the analyst can help take feedback from planners and schedulers about the type of information that's useful and how um, interpreting the data in, in a certain way or parsing it in a certain way can get at the core of a problem that we're trying to solve, but we need the right data to determine the right decision to make. And so facilitating those conversations is the ultimate goal in in, in many ways, because it's what allows folks to understand what they want to do, the art of this process. You touched on data a lot, several times, And,
0: and good data is essential to what you're doing. How is your approach to data
1: different than other solutions. So the key in many ways is exactly good data it is kind of twofold. There's the operational data, right? The transit specific data, such as how many drivers do I have? How much do I pay them? How many vehicles do I have available to me? What are the rules that govern how a driver's shift functions, how it works, right? Same thing with vehicles. How do we set up transfer centers? How much capacity is at these places? This is all like transit specific data. And then you know, from that, we get things like on-time performance, ridership, service delivered versus service scheduled, things like that, right? Cost per mile, all that good stuff. So that's a huge part, right? And that's all stuff that Trapeze and their systems, and Invantis and their systems can collect and aggregate and, and manage. But then the other part, of this is certainly more demographic or employment information, right? Kind of that more generalized geographic information that we, you know, would see like on a traditional map, right? The GIS part of this. And a huge part of that is the census, right? Who lives where? What are the characteristics of the people who live in certain areas? Things like race, income, population density, and then, where are the jobs in an area, right? Most people use transit to get to employment. That makes a lot of sense. Um, and then the other things they do, obviously, is basic or kind of fundamental trips for things like groceries, things for essentials, doctor's appointments, education, right? And so, understanding where those facilities that are important, you know, are, are basic, <laughs> fundamental, I should say, where those are is how we can ensure that we're connecting the dots, right? We've got a lot of dots, we have to connect them. That's what transportation and mobility is really all about. You're one place, you want to, you need to get to another place. How do you do it? Right. And so first we have to understand where the people are, right. And, dynamics about where they are before we can determine how we want to deploy our, you know, transit resources to accommodate that connectivity, that mobility, and so. Everything rests on that data, right? Because if that's wrong, then you're not you're going to make suboptimal decisions. So those two things, right? Understanding having good data around your transit system in general, but also the geographic context in which your transit system operates are are the two big pieces. And having those, you know, accurate, or you know, I guess our kind of unique position to deliver accuracy in those areas is twofold again, right? Our partner partnership with the mapping company is what allows us to dynamically serve up the population employment and we'll call maybe point of interest that's healthcare education and commercial facilities right as well as things like road networks historical traffic data even weather data right they've got a lot of that nice contextual data that we can get served up through them and that's important because it's accurate because it's constantly updated um so we aggregate that up, deliver it to our customers without them having to take the extra step. If customers have to collect this data on their own, it takes a while. I've done it in my you know, previous work experience or even as a student, I had to do that. Um, it wasn't fun. It takes a lot of effort. You end up with you know processing a lot of data before you can even get to the point where you're analyzing it before you can even get to the point where you're making a decision because based on that data. We wanna cut out you know, some of those first steps, right? Where you don't have to go find it, it's brought to you. And where we can even do some cool parsing of the data to bring out some more interesting themes to so some light analysis, right? An example would be household income is one thing, but disposable income is a whole other thing, right? So bringing that type of information out can be, can be good, especially when it comes to things like income, but also commuting profile, preferences, For populations based on age, race, income, et cetera, can allow us to do some of that pre-processing. So that's how we get good, you know, geographic contextual data. And then, like I mentioned, for decades, Trapeze has been collecting and has systems that collect and manage the transportation or the transit side of this data. Specifically when it comes to fixed route and paratransit data, you know, we've got mountains of data that tell us how much a paratransit trip costs on average, right? Or what types of trips are being taken in a geographic area? We don't have to. We don't want to know who is it who is taking those trips. We just would like to know. For example, if we're going to change our service area, and that's going to change our Americans with Disabilities Act boundary, our ADA boundary in the states, who's that impact? Uh, do we? How do we ensure that we're not cutting off critical access to somebody? Probably means we have to grandfather that space in, which means we don't actually take it away from them. We keep providing that to them and that's fine, but that does cost money and we need to make sure that that's part of our equation. So that's where that good data comes in, right? If you didn't have that and you made that decision to make a big change to your service area, what you don't want is someone coming to the board meeting saying, why are you taking my service area away and you being caught flat footed or that you didn't consider that in your cost and now your budget just got blown from this awesome plan you put together, uh, but missed a step, missed something, right? And now you're flat-footed and you have a really hard decision to make. Either you're going to eat that cost, which is going to make you look like you didn't you know, really f- understand the full context of the problem you're solving, or you're going to have to freeze and you're going to have to stop and you're going to have to go back and do something else. And once you do that, of course, we're talking about, again, a less dynamic and responsive system. On the fixture outside of things, you know, going back to that link in the chain of planner to scheduler, understanding, like we said, The operational limitations on vehicles and drivers super important. So when I'm putting together a schedule, if you will, right, uh, a timetable, um, making sure that I have the foresight available to me to understand what you know the, the, the timetable I'm putting together, what that would imply in terms of vehicle and driver requirements, and that doesn't violate my limitations at my particular agency. And so we can do that with. Our FX data, which we have really, you know, we've got their collective bargaining agreement, right? Or they're kind of their driver rules built in already. So we know the types of shifts that are going to be required and the structure of them. Same thing with vehicle requirements in terms of where like layovers and then we're going to eventually, you know, get to EVs, their unique requirements as well. So we have all that information, right? Sitting there and it's used for our processing and optimization of vehicle and drivers, but we can leverage that same information that drives those algorithms to help ensure that um, what we're putting forth from a timetable and planning perspective will not be out of the ballpark in terms of what's actually available to us for for vehicle and driver capacity, if you will. So having good data there allows us then to make sure that what we're facilitating is, we're, we're hitting a lot of bottom lines now, right? We want to make sure we're facilitating the mobility of people to places that matter within a budget, ultimately. That's the goal. And so having data that's accurate in those two areas is obviously fundamental to achieving that and to ensuring not just an accurate uh, plan, but one that can be shared, like we talked about, with the public, with the board, but also internally and operationalized, uh, then iterated on is, is what that's all about. It's an integrated approach
0: to data is, is what it comes down to. It's 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 not data islands. It's data amalgamation. It's completeness that's usable. Is that
1: that's kind of the focus of what MPS does, yeah? Certainly. Certainly, it goes back to the very beginning of our conversation of around mobility in different modes, right? Very similar idea. So that's the the name of the game is connecting dots. That's always what I go back to. We've got a lot of dots. We just have to connect them and it's a lot of work to connect them right I mean, connect them in a way that's coherent anyway but that's ultimately the thing the, the, the that we're after that's what planners have to do is connect the dots and that's that's
0: what we're here to help with hope you've enjoyed this episode of inside trapeze and my conversation with tyler Dvorak, product director of MPS, Tyler and I will be continuing this conversation about Mobility Planning and Scheduling the Product Group, and Mobility Planning the Product, and FX the Product in another conversation. Now that we've talked about the foundations and the philosophy behind MPS, and the data that's behind it.